Champions, what's going on? Welcome back to your favorite sports podcast, Clocks on the Stove. Your usual host, myself, Grayson Fisher, with me, the one and only, the man, the myth, the legend, Zach Watts. Today, we're going to be breaking down a little MMA review on, you know, what you might have missed or what you haven't seen, um, as well as going in and talking a little bit about this UFC 284 uh, fight that's happening this weekend between Alexander Volkanovsky and Islam Mahakachev for the UFC lightweight world title, as well as the number one versus number two pound-for-pound fighters in the world. Before we hop onto that, like I said, a couple things we need to talk about that happened before. First first and foremost, I think it was yesterday, Zach, Dan Hooker broke his hand, correct? Yeah. Or maybe uh, before? Um, yeah, let me just do to verify the exact dates so we aren't wrong. By the time this pod released, there might be a little issue. Uh, I believe it was data. Wednesday. I believe it was Wednesday. Yeah, we'll have it retweeted on our – uh, account for sure so we'll let the fans know um yeah he will not fight at ufc 285 mike heck tweeted unfortunate news dan hooker is out of his ufc 285 when, when, matchup. when did he tweet it was it wednesday um 20 out this tweet went out 20 hours ago so yeah, yeah so, it was so yeah, yeah so he broke his hand training all i saw was a picture that he posted that said fuck and it's just him in the hospital with his hand in the cast um, that was a really good fight, in my opinion. He's going to fight in 285, which is the Jones gone card in March. He was going to be fighting Jalen Turner, which I thought was a fucking phenomenal fight. Two long guys that love violence, but it will not happen. They did say, though, Zach Watts, that um, Jalen Turner is going to stay on the card and fight someone, which I like. I'm a fan of Jalen Turner. He's a good up and coming. I'm going to call it now. They're going to feed him Moikana or. If they were smart, like Moicano, like Hanato Mo- Moicano, yes, feed him, feed him Hanato Moicano. Last time we saw him fight on a car, uh, they fought back to back on the last card, yeah, extremely well. Great matchup for both of them, both like to brawl. If Moicano wants to take it to the ground, he can, but then again, like very good style wise. Who I want to see though, but I don't know if the timing will match up. I want to see Mr. Drew Dober because he's been calling him out. And if Drew Dober hops in the ring of Mr. Jalen Turner. Short notice for Drew that's Dober. Right. It's going to be a little I, less caliber guy, I think. Yeah. That's why, like, I feel like the best case scenario would be. Um, does Moicano. Bobby Green have a fight announced? I don't I know. He does, doesn't he? Yeah. Honestly, I'm also seeing Gamrot's name being thrown out there. Um, I feel like it's too short notice for someone of that of that caliber. Oh, he's, yeah. he's uh, Bobby Green's fighting Jared Gordon in his retirement fight. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's a banger of a fight, too. Holy shit. <clears throat> yeah. Or how do we feel? Yeah, dude, I'm just seeing a lot of uh, – Honestly, I don't have, Turner, I don't have a thought. It's going to probably be somebody not that relevant. But they're just going to throw him a bag to fight it because Turner's already – Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's what, three weeks away, four weeks away? It's just – yeah, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't think anyone too big of a name – it's a risky fight to take, dude. Jalen yeah. Turner is what Turner's six not a one, pushover. 55, 6, 1, six two, pushover. 155. Yeah. So you want a full yeah. camp for that. But him versus Hooker would have been a war, I think. Yeah. I still think um I don't know. I still think Turner would have pulled through. I I will admit, I just had a lot of hate on Dan Hooker, but he did really well against uh Duplessis. Um, but then again, like he showed good takedown defense. He didn't really like dude. How do he, you hate on Dan Hooker? He's fought everyone. Dude, just the way, like, okay, if I would have never heard him speak on, like, a platform, I think I would have still loved the guy. I still love him as a fighter, but, like, just, oh, like. Oh, that's right. We've talked about this. Yeah. Yeah, just, like, like, kind of a bitch. Yeah, I just think he's, like, an at like, just runs mouth a little too much. But, like, I respect him as a fighter. Utmost respect for fighting whatever it takes. But just, like, I don't think <laughs> some people don't deserve a platform. <laughs> he's, just, <laughs> he's just one of those guys, man. <laughs> Oh, Dude, he's such a wholesome guy, though. Like when he was fighting um, during COVID, when he fought Dustin Poirier, and he fought another yeah. one, I think. And he had to wait two weeks to see his daughter. Have you seen those pictures? They're like he's like standing at the gate, and like his daughter and his wife are there, and like it's just sad, dude. It's just he's a good dude. I, I understand he might be a little bit of a piece of shit when there's a microphone in his face, but he's a wholesome, wholesome guy. But let's move on from that. Yeah, he's not gonna be fighting. His hands broken. You know, you can fight sometimes with some broken things. Hand is not one of them. Hey, I will say Clay Guida did fight with two broken hands. Ryan Faber, you're Ryan Faber. Right, Ryan Faber, excuse me. Just 
through elbows. <laughs> yeah, but that happened in the fight. But yeah, that's crazy, bro. Like, oh my god. But yeah. Anyways, we'll move on from that. Next, we had Johnny Eblen, UFC. Excuse me, Bellator middleweight world champion, defend his belt. Dominant five round, I believe 50-45, unanimous decision on the co-main event of the Fedor Ryan Bader card. I personally, uh, I, I'm not gonna say I got buddies with Johnny Eblen, but I've talked to him and hung out with him a couple of times as we have a lot of mutual friends and and you know people we train with, and you know he coached at a school I coached at for high school wrestling. Super cool guy, super hard worker, super great eth- uh, work ethic, um, and he, this, he now goes on to state. <clears throat> that he, I believe he's 13 and 0. He's never, he says he's never lost a round. He's now gone on to state that he believes he is the best middleweight in the world. That he doesn't care that he's in Bellator. He doesn't care. He said he has defense. He manhandled 50 40 forward on some judges. Gegard Mousasi, who's one of the best middleweights in the world. And people were saying that he was better than Izzy at the time. Um, I just want to know, Zach, where do you think if Johnny Eblen was in the UFC? Where also, uh, what's next for Eblin? He's waiting to hear from the winner of uh, I'm gonna mess up the first name, but I think it's Fabricio Edwards or, or Fabian Edwards, who's uh, uh, Leon's brother and um, Gegard Musasi. I think they're fighting in France and he's fighting the winner of them, anyway. Zach, what I want to ask you, where do you think Bellator middleweight world champion Johnny Eblin stands if you threw him in the UFC rankings, looking at the current rankings? You know, I think he would be worthy of a number three ranking. I'm not in any way, shape, or form going to put him above guys like Robert Whitaker or Israel Adesanya. Um, I kind of avoid the name Alex Pereira because, uh, you know, it's really questionable with, like, his takedowns. And, you know, stylistically, it's not going to match up well. It's a horrible but, matchup for him stylistically. Her- terrible. Yeah. That is like a human walking nightmare. Yeah. Um, but, you know, boxers chances, they say. You never know. Like, a punch could land here or there. So, I'm not going to put him up with against – UFC's champion. But, you know, that number three guy sitting right now is Jared Cannonier. And, like, no disrespect to Jared. You know, he's very good in his own right. But I just think, like, Evelyn's done a lot to prove himself in Bellator. Um, obviously, you know, what pisses me off is when people are like, oh, Bellator's like the minor league of UFC. Like, that's not true. There's a lot of guys in other organizations that would fare very well in the UFC. For those of you that don't know, Demetrius Johnson, who we traded for fucking Ben Askren. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Talk about worst ever. If DJ was still in the UFC, we wouldn't even have a division because we would just be like, all right, let, let him run it for like yeah. 30 He was years. so good that it actually hurt him. We that you want to talk about robberies? They robbed him of his belt just to just so that they could like send him off. Because yeah. they couldn't they couldn't trade him away while he was still a champion. They had to find a way for them to like take his belt away from him, which I thought was a pure robbery. Um he didn't fight his best fight, but still whatever. Um and so Sorry, I got a little side check. But regardless, I do think Evelyn is very good in his own right. I will say, though, there are guys 5 through 10 that would give him a run for his fucking money. I, I, um, I was just saying that, too. Yeah, I was I'm, just I'm looking too. at Derek. I'm looking at Derek Brunson. I'm looking at guys like Paulo Costa, um, you know, maybe Duplessis right now, guys that are up and coming. Like Those guys would not be easy to go through. But honestly, like anyone 1 through 10 is not an easy fight. It's just oh, yeah, kind of that 1 UFC, through 3 separate. Yeah, um, I, I would – First things first, before I say I put him, he has trained a lot with Sean Strickland at Extreme Couture. So only they know and probably a, maybe a four to five other people know how those live goes go. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that if we had that intel, which we don't, which sucks, but if we did, that would be really interesting to see how he handles with Sean Strickland. Sean Strickland's a good gatekeeper kind of guy. Do you belong above him or do you belong below him? I think you're right, though. I think – I think you could put him at the four to five spot, but I think if you brought him over, him through four to six between Vittori, Brunson, or Costa, those are all great matchups for him, I think. I, I think would he love, I would love him to Costa. see him. No, I was going to see him and Vittori because I think him yeah, and Vittori be a good are like, I think they are dead equal, like yeah. in terms of like how they match up. And if he beats Vittori, because honestly, Vittori's really good, and now that he's gone to Thailand to kind of learn more of his Muay Thai to work on his stand-up, I think he's even going to be better because, you know, what his whole thing is he relied too much on wrestling, and Izzy kind of showed him, like, dude, you can be as good a wrestler as you want. Like, if I just stuff you, I'll just spank you around for five rounds. I think Eblin's wrestling is better. I think he's a better wrestler than – I'm not saying he's a better MMA fighter. I think he's a better wrestler than Vittori. Yeah, that's true. Um, but Vittori's bigger than him. That is also true. I, I, think, I, think, I think that's where we put him. I think I put him at five. 
I think I put him at five, and I think you give him Vittori, and that'd be a really good give him a five round fight with Vittori. I think that'd be a really good, you know, let's see where you're at. Oh, that's so fucking disrespectful to Derek Brunson. <laughs> yeah, but I think he beats Derek Brunson. Yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. Derek Brunson has one more fight left in his career. Johnny Eblen is in is entering his prime. Yeah, He's starting to get hot. So Derek true. Brunson's on the down on the decline. Then I I would say that and they're both most... South Florida guys too. I mean, Brunson trains out of out of uh, Kill Cliff and fucking Eblin's yeah. ATT. Maybe maybe that's the fight to make because you know, based off the track record of how we've just been brutally murdering our retirees and our legends, yeah, just like, throw him. Like yo, Derek Brunson, you get Bellator champion, fucking Johnny Eblin, you yeah, be your last ever fucking fight. ass. <laughs> Gotcha. Yeah, be... Dana is weird with that, bro. I mean, like, I mean, honestly, Bellator is too. They gave Fedor Ryan Bader. Like, I don't know what what what's up with ah. them in their retirement fights as well. But yeah, Fedor should never been fighting anymore, anyways. I, I will say though, they did a very nice like celebration of Fedor's career. Like they they treated him right on his way out. They just kind of showed him like, here's why he's retiring because you don't want him to win and be like, nah, man, you got one more in you. It was like, nah. You're fucking done, man. Like, <laughs> put down the gloves. Like, it's yeah, time. Yeah, I mean, dude, he's an all-time – not only is he an all-time legend, he's a pioneer. He's, like, pioneer. the first no. ever he, – he's the first ever, like, real heavyweight world champion MMA. Yeah. Yeah. You want to talk about the grandfathers of the UFC? <laughs> like, that is yeah. that is Fedor right there. Dude, he was uh, – I mean, until, until he came to America, he never lost a fight. He was, like, 20-0 and 0 or 25-0 and 0 when he was fighting in Russia and Japan. And then he came to Strike Force and got baptized by Fabrizio Verdun. But um, yeah, I mean, he's still an all-time legend. He should, like I said, should not have been fighting still. But anyways, it was cool to see all the other pioneers like Chuck Liddell, Chael Sonnen. Uh, you had Rampage in there. You had Henzo Gracie was in there. You had Josh Barnett was in there. Mark Coleman was in there. Dan Henderson was in there. Uh, Matt Hughes was in there. Uh, there was a couple other guys I can't I I I can't get off the top of my head. But like, it was just. It was a really heartfelt moment, especially for someone like me who's been watching since those guys were my age, you know? So it was really cool to see, like, you know, like, it all come full circle. And Fedor, you know, Pat chuckled down the tummy and was like, yeah, you're getting fat. You know, that was, <laughs> that was funny. But, uh, you know, we're talking about possible fights to make for Johnny Eblen in the middleweight division. It's already a possible fight out there being talked about, Zach Watts, between the bad guy and the good guy, Mr. Mm-hmm. Hamzat Chemaev and Robert Whitaker for a possible title eliminator fight. What are your thoughts on this matchup that's been going around my social media feed? I mean, even Hamzat poked at it too. So, you know, I got to give respect uh, where I guess credit is due to Hamzat because he's not shying away from anyone. You know, he's he views himself as a champion in his own right and he thinks he can contend with the best of them. Um, so he's going to go knocking towards that higher rank, but. You come knocking at the line, you best be ready because Robert Whitaker is no fucking joke. And for those of you that just want to point fingers and say like, oh, well, you know, Rob's been beat by Izzy twice. Like he's really not like a champion. Or something. Like, Watch how he's handled his last two or three fights. That is not the same about Robert Whitaker. He has improved immensely in every regard of his fight game. Just the way he handled Marvin. He literally made Marvin fly overseas to like rethink his entire training regimen. Yeah. He bitched him. He fucking bitched him. Like you want to talk about the ultimate gatekeeper? That's like champ number two to get to champ number one. Like you, you're fucked. And people are talking about it right now that if Rob fought Pereira, that he would he would dog walk him. Like other than Pereira getting a fighter's chance, like Rob would just take him down and have his way. Yeah, and the thing and about I, that that Vittori fight too is I feel like. If you don't know MMA and you're not a huge MMA guy, you're going to think that fight's a little boring. But the thing that I liked about it, Zach, that you talked about is it showed how technical Robert Whitaker was. Because people always talk about how he's a great brawler. And he is. He's a probably one of the best brawlers middleweight has ever seen. But what he did in that Vittori fight, how in the first – after the first round, he did not get hit with a single jab. Yeah, and he didn't, like, even move his head. He just knew the pocket ring. There's so many punches. There's a highlight compilation on there somewhere on, on Twitter really? I saw. Where it's just punches coming right here, and Rob doesn't even flinch because he's already figured out the range. Yeah, you know, and it's just it's crazy to see how technical he is. And even in the second Izzy fight, he doesn't get dropped in the beginning of the fight. I think it's a draw. Yeah, I, I don't think Izzy beat him. Yeah, it it goes to show you how good Izzy is. But like Rob was so because like it's not to discredit 
Marvin Vittori stand up. Like Marvin's good on the feet, but it literally Rob made him look like he was like just showing up to his first like Muay Thai practice. Like any kick Marvin tried to throw, Rob checked immediately, stepped just out of range. Every punch he was throwing was just outside of his reach, which then Rob would immediately either parry it away, stick him with a cross. Like it, it didn't matter. It really didn't matter. Like as I was watching it, I was like, this isn't boring because like it's a great fight, but I was like, it's getting boring because there's no competition. Like this yeah. is like watching, this is watching your coach whoop a student. Like you knew it was going to happen. It's just not enjoyable to watch. Like you start to feel bad for the guy in a sense, but you know, this is what you sign up for. Rob's where he's at for a reason. Anyone that thinks he would get beat easily by Kamzat or thinks that he would get ran through, you're sadly mistaken. I promise you, Rob is going to be Kamzat's toughest test by far. I think I think Rob beats Kamzat. I mean, I still think he does, but I'm just saying for those out there that think Kamzat is like this, oh, like next upcoming champ. I'm my, sorry. Like, my my look going into it is we watch you watch Kamzat versus Burns. That's his only real fight. Let's be honest. And yeah. I scored it a draw. Uh, it's not a robbery that he won at all. I don't think Burns won. I just don't think Burns lost, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but he dies of cardio in the third. Gases. Couldn't he couldn't like they, they both were exhausted. Rob Whitaker does not gas out. Ever. Rob Whitaker can, can fight for 25 rounds. He does not gas out. So I think that one it, with that pace and everything is going to kill is gonna kill Kamzat. Also, let's not forget. That a Olympic silver medalist in Yoel Romero couldn't even take Rob Whitaker down. So there's Comzot's yeah. not taking him down, and his striking's nowhere near Rob's. I think I think what we see in the Comzot Rob fight is round one, Comzot might overwhelm him a little with pressure, might not not whoop his ass, but kind of control the fight. And then it's gonna be Rob, all right, science, figure it all out, two and three, dogs him. Dog. Yeah. The- I don't think he finishes him. But I just think it's going to be one of those things where Hamza in the third round, it's going to be like how I was sparring last night. You get hit so every time you throw a punch, and they you get hit every time they throw a punch, that you're like so hesitant to strike, you're just like standing there. And Rob's just going to do his freaking Rob, like shoulder shrug, jab cross, like he's going to just piece him up. The way I like how you said Hamza's going to control, I don't really see this control, I just feel like Rob's going to be more accepting of going down 0 and 1. It's really hard for like newer fighters to accept the fact that they lost a round opening the fight because that's really, it really is hard to overcome that. But Rob is understanding of the fact that I can let this guy use his gas tank because I'm better than him, stamina wise. I'm going to let him use all the energy he can. I'm going to survive. And once I survive this round, you're my, you're fucked. Like, yeah, you're I wouldn't be even my say, bitch. like, I wouldn't even say Rob's going to go in there to lose the round. He's going to go yeah. in there to win the round. But Kamzat's going to go in there to try to rip his head off. His head off. Rip, yeah. And, and Rob's um, going to stick to the game plan. That's where I think it's going to be different. Per- perfect definition of it. Yeah. Cause Rob's not going to change his entire game plan just cause shit didn't go his way. Like right out, right out of the gate. Like he knows like we have a game plan for a reason. We're going to last it out. And I think every fight he's had up to this point has worked well for him is he just gets caught in moments. Like it's just like a well, moment I mean, here. The only fight he got caught in was fucking the world. Is champion he? Israel. Yeah. So like everyone yeah. else he manhandles. Yeah, so uh, it, it'll be a great fucking fight. I, I can't wait. If they do make it happen, if they sign... Pen no, it would I, be a banger. I'm not saying it would be an ass-whooping. It'd be a banger. Banger, yeah. Because yeah. even yeah. If, if Rob's teeing off on Kamzat, Kamzat's not going to give a fuck. He's going to keep coming at him. He's yeah. not going to shy yeah. away. So it's just going to be a brawl. Um, my Real quick, before <laughs> we move on to our last topic, Kamzat could not handle the power of Gilbert Burns. You think he'd be able to eat a Rob Whitaker punch? Because I think Rob definitely hits harder than Gilbert Burns. And not in a disrespect way to Gilbert Burns, in a size comparison that Rob's is bigger. Yeah, the way I see it is, I think Kamza had never been in a fight before where like he was like on equal terms with anyone up until that point. And I think because Gilbert was smaller than him, I think he just disrespected him out the gate. And Gilbert like bopped his ass. And then Kamza was like, okay, like th- like. I ha- like I- I'm gonna have to give you some respect because you saw after he got fucking rocked by Gilbert, he suddenly like started shooting a lot more and was like yeah. picking up the pace and shit. Like he immediately switched from like I'm gonna have fun in this fight to I'm gonna fight to kill you. Like I had like this is no longer a game for either of us. And they they went to war. Like they both ended the gas tanks. It was a great fight. I think with Rob though, if he makes that same mistake, there is no oh now I know it's you're fucking dead. It's yeah, Rob's. Yeah, I Rob's just gonna. Can, he can't eat one like he ate from Burns and keep fighting. I think it might fuck him. 
and people uh, okay and i'm gonna say this now because i know people are gonna call us out for it and say like oh you know what rob doesn't have knockout power and like rob doesn't knock anyone out it's not that rob doesn't it's just that rob doesn't fucking need to like overthrow anything like he doesn't throw crazy overhands he just sticks with his nice and simple textbook jabs easy crosses and overhands like it's nothing crazy it's not putting his all into it he's just doing just enough to rock it's you and he's smart sound it's, it's technically te- sound as well. always yeah. always and like from a from a visual standpoint like yeah like you might see a guy get hit by and be like oh well he didn't knock him out he doesn't have power no they might not get knocked out if rob hit your fucking bitch ass he would kill you but oh, i was yeah. like these the guys too zach is he has knockouts but his yes. last like five or six fights are all the one and two contenders in the world literally so yeah he's literally. obviously not sleeping all of them but like Look at any of their faces after or any of their interviews. They're like, yeah, Bobby Knuckles hits hard as fuck. Bobby you know, like, they, they all admit it. Like, yeah, he doesn't have that one-punch knockout power. He used to when he was a little bit younger when he was at welterweight. But, dude, he's still ro- – dude, they get rocked. Yeah. No, it, he dropped Derek ear. He dropped fucking Jared Cannonier. Yeah. Izzy couldn't drop him. Yeah, he fucking bitched him, fucking rocked his ass. That's what I'm That's saying. So, I, I think it'd be a good fight, but – I'm obviously Team Rob all day. Our last talking point before we dive in to the card that everyone is anticipating. The Ultimate Fighter has been announced, and we're finally getting an actual return of Conor McGregor. Michael Chandler versus Conor McGregor in The Ultimate Fighter. Two interesting things to state on this. First, they are doing a Vets versus Newcomer, which I think is fucking sick. They're getting 12 former UFC fighters that have been cut, bringing them on. And then 12 prospects and bringing them on. And they're merging it together. Super sick idea, in my opinion. Super sick idea, in my opinion. I actually have three things. Second thing, Conor McGregor is still not allowed to fight for at least six months because he's not back in the USADA testing pool. So they're going to draw this on as long as fucking possible and just get as much Conor McGregor media. They might not fight for two fucking years. They might just media the shit out of it before the fight. Third thing, was talking to my teammate. Tyler DeHaven, he has a professional fight coming up, I want to say, in the end of March in Iowa. Check him out. We were talking about it, like, would you ever go on The Ultimate Fighter? And we both were like, fuck no, dude. That shit would ob- – okay, obviously, if I got the opportunity, I'd take it. But, like, I would rather do the Contender Series. But you know how ass that shit is, Zach? You are in a house for three to five months with no – there's no internet for the outside world. There's no cell phones. like, And you're just – all you do is wake up, go to practice, come home. Wake up, go to practice, go home, train, 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 train. And you're just with 20 dudes. Oh, and by the way, you're fighting these dudes to see if your UFC dream comes true. And you're also sleeping five feet away from them every night and cooking in the kitchen with them and hanging out with them. Yeah. You know, like that shit. Was, and that's the reason why a lot of the guys on the fire become like alcoholics. Because they're so <laughs> bored, they just get fucking shit-faced. Oh, God. Yeah, I – I definitely couldn't because, like, if you even share, like, one good memory with the guy, you're going to have to look at him and be like, yeah, at some point, like, push comes to shove, I got to kill you. Yeah, like, if I sorry. feed my family and have my, my life's work and dream come true, I have to be the guy I just had breakfast with. Up, like, Yeah, no, I'm sorry. That's why some of the guys on the show, like, they get so hated on personality-wise, but I'm like, dude, if they don't act like that, it makes it so much harder to fight the guy you're next to. Like, you might as well just, like, try to not be friends with them like try to just be on your in your own little world like they're giving up five months of their lives like they might as well just dedicate everything they have into getting better like they're not there to fucking socialize like obviously it makes it for better content and show but they're not there for your appeal they're there to be a fucking world champion one day like, and the thing is too is like even though it's teams that doesn't mean shit if your team sweeps you're fighting your teammates yeah it's yeah. it's one man it's not there's not oh all the team uh chandler guys get to go no 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 if Team Chandler sweeps Team McGregor or vice versa. You start fighting your teammates then because only one guy can leave. Yeah. Speaking of which, uh, I'm going to pull this up real quick just because I would like to know and I'd like to get a little rankings put together or our little Mount Rushmore of our favorite ultimate fighter coaches. Because in my head, I have my top three. I just don't know who I'd put in for four. Um, So, yeah, I'm going to look up. So, my number one of all time is going to be Rampage Jackson. Fuck. I was so good. It's going to be Rampage Jackson. His, his breaking down the door is by far one of the best, like, television moments of all time. Bro, that yeah. season of I, – I am not a big Ultimate Fighter fan. I think it kind of sucks. The fighters aren't that good. Like, obviously, they're going to make the fighters for this one really good. But, like, I, I'm not a big fan of it. I, I don't think it's, like, super, like, awesome or anything. I don't, 
I don't really follow it, but I followed and watched. That was the probably the first one I fully followed and watched outside the GSP Koscheck was because that rivalry between Rampage and, and Rashad was so fucking good, as well as Kimbo Slice was on it. So like everyone was hopping on and watching it. And dude, that it was just so funny to see Quentin like rampage and like he like his first pick, he's like, Kimbo! And he starts freaking out when Kimbo slices there and then he breaks the door down. Like I just think I, I think Rampage is one of the best ultimate fighter coaches, uh, at least from what I've watched of the ultimate fighters I've watched. Yeah. Um number one for me quite easily is chael sonnen uh yeah chael sonnen up there i was my number two yeah yeah i think i think just the beef between him and wanderlei leading up to that and we have the most iconic moment of all time of i can't let you get close like that what now what now (laughs) what now just in his fucking face and chael is standing in a tank top and jeans and And flip-flops yeah (laughs) and he's just like he's like but but what are you doing but like why and then he immediately slaps the hand away, shoots a takedown, and they just start beating the shit out of each <laughs> you know, other. is doing all this, like, in his face, like, freaking out. And Chael's just like, dude, come on, man. Like, bro, like stop, dude. We're, we're not doing this. Yeah. He's like, I can't let you get close. And he takes him down textbook last double. Oh, fuck. My number three, was- obviously, biased, but I'm going to explain it as well, is George St. Pierre. What for, for those of you that don't know, what George just did – for the ultimate fighter, I think is, is to this day, like one of the greatest and off like coolest things ever. He did not coach his fighters. He brought yeah. his coaches in and he said, look, I am not a coach. He goes, I am a fighter. So you, what makes me a great fighter are these coaches. And he had John Danaher. He had a striking coach. He had Furios as a hobby. He had some Muay Thai guy come in. He had all of his coaches. He goes, they're going to run it. I am just going to practice and train with you one-on-one and help you get better. And his coaches ran his team. And if you think about it, that's kind of fucking awesome, you know? Yeah. Um, one of my favorite moments moments from that season is when George, uh, GSP brings in his coach and he tells all his guys, like, yo, I got a coach coming in. Please be super respectful. The French, the French Muay Thai guy, yeah, right? the fr- yeah. yeah, the French. And they and he tells everyone, he goes, he goes, look, I know visually this guy doesn't look like anything, but he's like, he will fucking kill you. And he like he literally goes on Joe Rogan after he told him, he's like, yeah, my coach would be shit-faced drunk. Every day, like he came off the plane, shit faced, showed up to practice, immediately changed, was like just bloated as fuck, yeah. and just beat the shit out of every single one of his fighters. And he was just like, um, he's like, I'm sorry. He's like, the only reason I told them to be respectful is because if they pissed him off, he would have just killed him and yeah, just no, left so and not cared. Like, he comes in so nonchalantly, just like in a dad bod, and like just wearing Muay Thai shorts, no shoes, no shirt, no glasses, nothing. Walks in, he's like burping the whole time, is beating the shit out of everyone. Yeah. Oh. Um, my next one, I didn't personally watch this season, but I've seen a lot about it. And I think just to build up to the fight between Chuck Liddell and Randy Couture. Oh, I yeah, think, that's a good one. I that, think that's that was OG. That's the first season. Yeah, that yeah, that to me, I just like that is like peak Chuck Liddell right there. Cause you look at him and like the way he teaches, like, first of all, if you've ever seen Chuck Liddell fight, he is the most like bar like just bar fighting looking dude of all yeah. time it's just perfect example so whenever he's like training guys like i couldn't even fathom like chuck what the fuck are you telling these people <laughs> like there's no way you're actually trading them so that to me he's got to be up there just for that um i gotta That's go back OG and watch season, season with throughout. uh with uh with uh forrest griffin and and yeah it was you know, uh, Stephen bonner that's the og season rest in yeah. peace Stephen bonner by the way that's crazy that that fucking happened dude um, you want hold on by the way there were so many people in that season that ended up becoming great. Oh, Mike Swick, yeah. Josh Koscheck, Chris Diego Sanchez, Lemon, Diego right? Sanchez, yep. Chris Florian, Forrest Griffin, Stefan Bonner. By the way, for, was it the Forrest Griffin, Stefan Bonner fight that ended up like probably saved the UFC? No, that was first. the first. Yeah, that's what that's what brought them to life. Yeah. Yeah, that's what probably saved not only the Ultimate Fighter, but the UFC because they were still fighting out of like really shitty venues and whatnot. I'm pretty sure they spiked from somewhere between like 150k to 1 million views within 20 minutes because of that fight. I'm pretty sure it was some like some insane jump like that. Yeah. Um, my number four though, and I know it's weird, but I'm gonna go with Alexander Volkanovsky. I think when he did it with Ortega, he was really fun. Um, he's a good guy. I, I just hate him because I love Max, but he yeah. was really fun. Excuse me, he was really fun. Pranked, pranked Ortega a bunch. He had like that broken hand still kind of going on during it. 
And yeah. which was cool too is he brought in Craig Jones to come grapple with his guys, and he brought in Cowboy. Like I don't know, I I just feel like he was a really wholesome, fun, like actual good coach on the Ultimate Fighter. Yeah, I like that. Now, my next one, I'm torn between because on one end, just for the shit talking aspect, I want to take McGregor just because he made the season so funny. But I think what actually made for great television was when BJ Penn did it, and to start the season off, BJ Penn got in there with I think it was. Yeah, Jens Pulver, who was, like, really good at the time. First ever lightweight world champion. Yeah. BJ Penn walks into the room, and before they even draft players, he just goes, yo, raise your hand if you want to be on my team. And only half the guys, he goes, all right, let's go. They didn't even pick teams. He just They just immediately split them like that, and then BJ Penn immediately just starts talking shit about the other guys. He goes, you want to be on my team? I'm going to fucking kill you myself. He goes, I'm just going to beat the shit out of you. But, I, ah, dude, fuck. There were so many good ones on that, too. Um. Because you had Joe Lawson, Rob Emerson, Gray Maynard, Cole Miller, like, uh, and the season finale was between uh, Manny Gamburian and Nate Diaz. Damn, that's good. Yeah, and that was a fucking good ass fucking matchup. So, oh, that was fucking good. But when you have Connor just on television in general, the best moment of all time is when he fucking sprints and goes, "Stay on your fucking feet, stay on your." And he's like throwing shit in the ring, and they're like, "Connor, yeah, like." relax like, or when he's fuck. like he's like uh he's like he's talking shit to uriah or like tj dillshaw comes in he's like oh there's the snake in the grass <laughs> yeah that, those are good I, I i do i do miss o2 uh old school bj Penn. also shout out jens pulver first ever ufc lightweight world champion and i met him uh when I, the same day i met anthony johnson or mm. yeah when they fought at uh in the in tampa i actually yeah. have a picture of me and jens pulver i'm like nine or ten i think i'm ten and we're doing a face-off at fighter warehouse in international mall in tampa yeah he was super cool guy i met him and sean strickland's or excuse me sean shirts two really cool really wholesome badass gentlemen but zach let's get into the reason why everyone is tapping in to this podcast today ufc 284 could you say this is one of the unluckiest uh, fight cards ever i mean let's go through it First of all, there's no promotion, and we already made a TikTok on this. Everyone and their mothers talked about it. Islam Mahakachev already came out and stated, too, that Dana's not doing shit for it. Dana doesn't remember the name of Islam, can't even say his name, in multiple interviews, as well as seven fights were either canceled or removed from this card, one of them being Rob Whitaker versus Paulo Costa because they couldn't come to an agreement on Paulo Costa's contract, as well as Kai Collar France was supposed to fight somebody good. I cannot remember who. He got pulled off because of an injury. I want to say it was a rib injury. I have the uh I have all the f- canceled fights uh bookmarked if you want me to go through them real yeah, quick. Yeah, you want to read them off real quick. Yeah, so the first one was that ended up fizzled out just because of the paper on pen was the Whitaker Costa. Uh we had uh, a canceled bout between Tyson Pedro and uh Ming Yang Zhang. Zhang withdrew. Another canceled fight at 125 Kai Car France versus Alex Perez. Kai Car France yeah, got Alex injured. Perez, yeah, that's our next one, canceled about at 155. Nazra uh, Hakprast versus Jamie Malarkey. Uh, Hakprast got injured. Uh, another 155 cancellation, uh, Joel Alvarez versus Zubari uh, Tukagov. Alvarez withdrew. Then, um, really big fuck up, cancellation at 265, Junior Tapa versus Austin Lane. Lane withdrew. And then when they found Tapa's replacement, Tapa withdrew because Tapa got injured against uh, – Waldo Cortez Acosta. So, like, literally nothing's been going right for these fighters on this card. And if you want to talk about um, just being unlucky, dude, there's only two prelim fights on this card. Only two. They don't even, they didn't even like, couldn't even find replacements because they were like, we already filled out the rest of our fucking fight cards for the month. We can't just, like, throw guys in on two days. Two notice, so fucking gonna... prelims. That's crazy. Yeah. And, like, I know it's a fuck situation because, like, at the same time in a – if this was like a lesser card, I feel like you have to just like move the bout back or like cancel it so you can fill a card out. But you can't just tell the number one and number two pound for pound fighters in the world like, oh, yeah, we got you through this big ass training camp. Yeah, fuck it. And we're just going to move it back. Like too much money's gone into like hyping the fight up, even though like they have said they fumbled the bag. I will say this. Islam did call out Dana White saying he felt the promotion wasn't where it needed to be. Um for this fight, but then Islam came out today in a press conference and he was like, I, he goes, um, Dana did reach out back to me. He sent me everything, uh, based off numbers wise, what they did for promotion and all this stuff and what they're trying to doing. So Islam felt he fully understood where Dana was coming from and they came to a mutual agreement. So he didn't feel 
uh, upset anymore about it. So I will say they at least fix things up on that part. I will not. I disagree. I disagree, though, dude. There's no promotion at all. Like when we posted that TikTok, so many people were hitting oh, me yeah. up and they were like, "I didn't even know this fight was happening," or like this, this, and that. Like it, this isn't a, a normal card, dude. This is the number one and number two pound pound fighters in the world. Like these is the highest level fight. This is the highest level caliber fight that a sport can have. This is bigger than the Super Bowl, technically. You know, yeah. like this is the highest level of the sports. The number one, and number two guy. Um, it's also in Australia, which is like Volkanovski's like land. You know, that's where he's he's New Zealand Australian guy, which is huge, and that's not being promoted at all. I mean, there's no promotion at all. And on top of that, Zach, it's uh, they're only promoting the slapping shit, which I'm fucking tired. I don't even talk about it. Um, and outside of the co-main and main event, dude, this card sucks. This card sucks. And I understand all the people pulling out and backing out, dude, but like you want as many eyes as possible to watch this fight. When, when, when it comes to a fight of this caliber, when it comes to Makachev versus Volkanovski, this is a fight you use to get people to become MMA fans. This is how you draw in casual sports fans, is to show them the highest level of the sport. You can't do that if you're not promoting the card or putting good fights on the card. People are, aren't going to watch it then. You know, you want this card to blow up so people can watch. It's going to be a banger, both the main and co-main event. That's going to make people want to watch the sport, you know? Yeah, the someone said this recently um, on social media, and I felt it really stuck home with me, and I couldn't agree more. I feel like Dana's gotten to the point where he feels like the brand of UFC itself will sell enough. Like, they don't need to do any excess shit in order to bring additional viewers. But I feel like that's a dying model. That's, that's a mindset of complacency, and if you want to run that way, your product will die. Because, you know... If this were a world where you had no other competitors uh, in your realm of combat sports, I, I would agree. Like, hey, you're good enough. No one else is going to come suit the rug up from under you. you. You're probably riding out for now. You'll be fine. But, you know, Bellator just did their first deal with CBS. They finally broke television, broke, I think, what was it, like 2 million views, something like that? Yeah, they, had, like, they had a really good, really good showing. They had yeah, more actually, viewers on that than the, than the, the Lewis card. Yeah, well, and given that you had your fucking Lewis card at three in the goddamn morning, yeah. um, which which was a joke to me. I felt like that was disrespectful to Derek Lewis, even though he died. But even to the other fighters, it was kind of disrespectful. Regardless, though, you know, you, you're competing with brands such as Ryzen, 1FC, Bellator. Like, these are all other PFL companies. Now. Yeah, PFL now globally that are doing whatever they can to make strides in order to compete with you in order to steal the best fighters in the world of combat so that they can make the best product. And, you know, we talked about this earlier and I think we're going to make a talk about this, but, you know, just look at the graphic design for posters that the different companies are putting out. UFC is fucking dog shit. They're the worst, and bro. Their, their, their promotional posters suck. Suck ass. Like I was looking the other day through some Ryzen and one FC like posters, dude, they're fucking sick. They're like so they, badass. Like they put so much time and effort like that traditional shit. martial arts vibes. Yeah, like when they had that fucking poster they made for the Rise, what is it? What was it? The Rise and One FC crossover uh, fight. Rise and Bellator crossover, yeah. Yeah, Rise and Bellator, and they made like Rise and like the Samurais, and they made fucking Bellator, um, like the Trojan, Bellator, like, the Trojan. Yeah. like bro, that shit was fucking sick. Like that's what gets people like hype. Like when you see graphics like that, like you may not think like oh, well, you know, that doesn't really do anything for the fight itself. Like, bull fucking shit, dude. Like, that's how you get kids. Like, the reason why kids are so obsessed with WWE is because they make shit like that. Like, they like they do shit to garner to, like, the younger audiences. And then you grow up watching it. Guess what? You grow up watching it, your kids are going to watch it. And then you create, like, a legacy, a brand. Like, that's how it works. And I just feel like they do the bare fucking minimum in the UFC. They only care about how to bring in the most money with spending the least amount of money. And it, yeah, and it it's, fucking it's sucks. fucking stupid, bro. Like, you, like I said... Your job is to market your fighters. That is your job. One reason why it's so awesome to make it to the UFC is you're like, all right, I can build my own brand now and not have to build my fight cards or build, you know what I'm saying? Like when I fight, I have to tell people, oh, look at my fight card. Look how good the fight card is. I'm promoting every aspect of it so I can make money through ticket sales. I can make money through, through you know, revenue, through endorsements, stuff like that. But they don't need to do that. And like I even talked about on TikTok. Conor McGregor did not do media for the third Dustin Poirier fight, and they had 1.8 million pay-per-view buys. He did not do media. Imagine if he did. Imagine if he did. And yeah, like just, obviously Conor McGregor is a bigger deal than this card, but still, dude, like, yeah, they could have stacked the card. They could have. I mean, 
I don't know. I, I, I don't really understand it. I don't know if it's unlucky. I don't know if Dana was a little too hard on trying to get the Auss- Aussies on it. But, like, even if the card's in Australia, you need Americans, your number one source of pay-per-view buys. You need that more than anything. Yeah. And, you know, another thing that kind of bothers me that I, I call this on the pod, like, Dana's doing his, like, press conferences for, like, the card. And, dude, he's, he's like, forgetting your number two pound for pound fighter's name, yeah. dog. He's looking at the screen behind him. Yeah, to like remember the name, like, dude, what? Like, what are you doing, dog? Like, not like he's a fucking champion. What? It's like I would understand if like you barely had any stake in the business. Like, dude, you're a part of every fucking event that goes on within the UFC. Like, you're, you're a face. part of. You were the face. You're Roger. You're the face. Like, yeah, it's not like you're only there sometimes and you don't really care what's going on. You are there for every single thing. You set up every event. You make sure everything runs smoothly, and suddenly you just suddenly. You invent the slap league, and you're treating the slap league as if it's like your your favorite child. Yeah, but there's more posts and, and promotion on that these past two weeks than there has been for this fight. That that's on the thing. UFC account. Uh, that that is what pisses me off the most, and I cannot stand this. Why why not create your own social media platform for your slap league, dude? They have it. Why? They have one too. That's what's crazy. Is they do. Yeah, but I be, couldn't tell me. What you could have done, what you could have done to make it better is you could have ha- at least had the UFC account just retweet the posts from your Slap League social media to be like, hey, if you want to see this, go follow the page, whatever. No, you're just straight up posting it through the UFC to make it seem like it's a UFC event. And you it- know what I was thinking about too, Zach? Um, I-, I had this thought. I don't know why I didn't talk to you about this. It- it- if Why aren't they using – they're using – this is what they're doing and this is what they should be doing. They're using the UFC to promote the slap fighting. Why aren't they using the slap fighting to promote the UFC? Like, why in this past week of fights? It should be shared. No, no, but listen, why isn't the past week of fights has every guy that's fighting the slap league's uniform had UFC 284 with the date and the names on it, on the back of it? Or in in the platform in the middle, UFC 284. You know, you could be using these guys as free marketing for the UFC, but instead you're flipping it. Instead of using the UFC, the market just. They're not athletes. They're not. They're there's guys that can eat a slap, like that's what yeah. you're marketing. You're not marketing these guys that are working their whole fucking lives and dedicating everything they have in a sport where there's not, you know, nil deals and there's not, you know, you make it to the NFL, you get a minimum. No, something, dude. I, there's teams that are, I have that are poor as fuck, chasing their dreams, and instead of promoting those guys and helping those guys out and adding a couple more UFC roster slots and throwing a couple extra bones, they're promoting two fat dudes that slap the fuck out of each other. Yeah. And what, what image are you promoting to, to, to children? What image are you promoting to, to martial artists? Like, it, it's just stupid, bro. It's it's fucking dumb. Yeah, and what kills me is like, there's not even a competitive aspect to the slap league it's not at all. Competitive. At all. You're not. Th- this is what I don't get. You're not competing for a belt. There's no. There's no like champion of the slap. Like, th- there's nothing you're competing. Really, not a weight classes. They just take the two biggest people they can find that talk a little shit and smack each other. There's no press conferences for us. So there's really no buildup. It's just to say like, Hey, you want to watch guys smack each other? Go for it. What's crazy to me is you bring up, why don't they promote one another? Like why doesn't slap league promote UFC? Dude, I'm pretty sure when they run out those venues, it's not just for the night of the fights. It's for a couple days before. Why not just have your slap league fight the night before and sell package tickets? Like, Hey, if you buy UFC tickets or you buy slap league tickets, you get like 50% or 75% off. UFC tickets if that way you like force fans to go to both or like yeah. if they want to they can attend both have some package deal fanfare you get a whole weekend out of a fight and not just the fight literally like you have so much you could make more money we are literally giving you like free ideas yeah. to like make better shit which pisses me off because I want the sport to fuck it's not even uh, a sport I don't know because the way I view a sport, a sport it's not a yeah. sport you can't there's no strategy you can't yeah, exactly. get better at it like you're not those guys in the slap league aren't grinding in the gym like how do I strengthen my face from getting hit like yeah. They're just going to their normal nine to five job and maybe they slap a bag or their wife a little, you know, like <laughs> they're not fucking, they're not going to a gym and spar world-class caliber guys. Oh fuck. Yeah, man. Like I, I just don't understand. Like w- when I classify sports, like there has to be some level of competition or like some way to like Get dictate better. Who, who's better than one another, bro. The only way you're better than someone is if you win the coin toss and decide who gets to smack the shit out of each other yeah. first. Yeah, you could like, like, you could technically be better and just lose the flip and get knocked the fuck out. I would I would respect the sport more if they let them rock, paper, scissors, and then like the winner of the rock, paper, scissors gets to smack first. Like at least that's like 
like a little competition. Like you yeah. give like a day to talk shit where you're like, I'm like, I'm going to throw rock tomorrow and there's nothing you can do about it. And then the guy's like 24 hours be like, fuck, is he really going to throw rock? Like, I don't know. Like, Dude, man, he's going like- to smack the shit out of me. <laughs> Dude, he's in my brain. I don't know if I can do But um, another, another thing too, Zach, is um, we're living in an era where everyone's bitching at the Dolphins and bitching at the NFL for concussion protocol. And yeah, we're just letting <laughs> paying people for it. Literally, literally give each other concussions. Like, bro, you can get knocked the fuck out and wake up within thirty seconds and stand up, and you can keep going. You yeah. keep going. Now, I don't, I don't know how the refs don't die laughing because I've watched, like, I've like just seen the highlights. The ref literally goes, "All right, what hand are you smacking with? What count? All right, on three. One, two, three. Smacks the shit out of him. Powder flies everywhere." And the ref just looks at this guy that's seizing up on the mat and he goes, down. Like, oh, no shit, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and he waits five seconds and he looks at the guy and he goes, nah, nah, fuck it. He's dead. Like, we ain't and, doing and this no more. Another thing is, uh, I hate I, I hate quoting him, but Ariel Hawani made a good point. He's like, I, it's also kind of like, what the fuck on these refs, too? Like, like you're promoting this and, like, you're cool with that? Like, you know, it, it's on everyone. It's on everyone as an entity to, to that's supporting this. Yeah. yeah. Like, and... Thankfully, some of the UFC fighters have come out and say, like, what the fuck is this shit? And just been like, why? Like, you're just either A, they're upset that money's getting taken away from them, or B, that they're upset because, like, this isn't, like, helping anyone. Like, because, like, at the end of the day, even if you were to go from the aspect of, you know, this is helping putting food on the table, dude, they're getting paid four grand. If they win. If they win. Two to show and two to win. Dude, how how many fights of those realistically can you do in a year before you are dead. mentally yeah, dead? Yeah, yeah, like before you can't speak. How many? I want to know because I guarantee you, if we hooked up like some brain sensors to those guys before they went into the smack lead. They would half of them would be like, "Yeah, it's like they're getting hit by a fucking sledgehammer every thirty minutes." Or Do a baseball you think, bat. Um, I don't, I don't like I said, I've never looked into any of this, but I know when you fight in the UFC, you have a doctor's date until you can fight again. Like they do an immediate evaluation. Do, do you think these guys get evaluated, or they can just go fucking slap each other again next week? Um, there's no way if they're doing this, they can even afford doctor bills. So they're definitely just getting, no, it's all data. covered. Though. It's covered though. It's covered. Like, like okay, if the it's... second you, you're done fighting and you go to the back, you have a doctor evaluate you right then and there. And then they tell you, all right, this is how long you can fight again based on my evaluation. See, like, oh. see, to me, I think smacking is a lot worse than a punch. I think it's like, worse too. I think it's yeah, way worse. Because you're not, punch, you're also not ready for when a punch comes, you're, you're, you're in it. Like your head's down, you're ready for it. Like you see it coming, yeah. like you can shed it. You're just, all right, here we go. And you're letting them smack the fuck yeah. out of you. And, and the open whole hand with the fucking this, those are yeah. knuckles still too, bro. Yeah. Like Google old school bass root and he used to knock motherfuckers out with his palms. Yeah. And the whole point of like them slapping when they train is they're hitting a perfect point on your jaw to rattle your brain. Like they're trying to jost your jostle your brain hard enough to where you lose consciousness that is a textbook concussion every time yeah and unless they definition of a concussion yeah and the only way you don't get knocked out the first round is if they fuck up the slap and guess what it's probably still gonna hurt like a fucking bitch because i you've seen the guy with the face whose entire the the hematoma took up his entire face and the guy's like yeah this is worth four grand what but But like let's let's Fuck this. I don't want to give this any more attention. Let's dive into the real reason we're here, and that's our co-main and main event of this UFC 284 yeah. fight. Our co-main event is a featherweight interim title fight between Yari Rodriguez, Mexico's very own 15-3, and three, coming in at a minus 190 favorite as he fights America's Josh Emmett, coming in at 18-2 and two with a plus 160. Great fight. Let's go through a little background on these two. Yari Rodriguez... I mean, he, he's fought everyone. I mean, he beat he, – he knocked out the Korean zombie. with. This is what kind of blew him up, at least in my opinion. He knocked out the Korean zombie with one second left in a five-round fight that he was losing. He threw he, – he, he let him blitz in, and then he dropped and threw a reverse elbow and knocked him out. And you know who taught him that elbow? Was Cowboy Cerrone in the warm-ups when they were warming up for their two fights because Cowboy was the co-main. He saw Cowboy throwing it, and he asked, like, can you show me that? Cowboy's like, yeah, it's just like an old fuck move. Like, you know, you just – it is when Cowboy fought Mike Perry in the coming event. And then he fucking hit it. That blew him up. Yeah. He had that weird uh, eye poke nut thing situation when Jeremy Stevens comes back, beats Jeremy Stevens' ass, goes into a five-round war with Max Holloway. Great fucking fight. And then he beats Ortega. He, like, tears his fucking labrum or something, right? Like, 
destroyed his shoulder. Yes. So those yeah. were the last five for Yari Rodriguez. Let's do a quick little recap for the last five of Dan of uh excuse me, Josh Emmett. Um, he's been a beast, dude. I mean, knocking everyone out, to, knocked out Michael Johnson, knocked out Bektik, beat Shane Burgos in one of the greatest fights you can watch, honestly. Fucking spectacular fight. Beats uh, Dan Ige's ass. And then he just last this past summer in June beat Calvin Cater in a five-round um, main event, you know, a split decision. I did not watch that fight. I had friends that said it went to Cater, and I had friends that said it went to Emmett. I do not know. But – that's his last five, five and zero oh in his last five. I believe both men have been knocked out and finished in their career. Yes, both both of them have been knocked out. So, Zach, what are we thinking going into this fight? I mean, you got Yari Rodriguez, tall, lean guy, 5'11", 71 inch reach, orthodox versus a five six, you know, kind of little muscle guy with a seventy inch reach, pretty long arms, and Josh Emmett. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Let me, let's start off with Josh Emmett. Josh Emmett, you know, he's riding that five-fight win streak, so he's the hotter fire fighter right now. Um, you know, you went over – when was the last time you yeah, you're lost? Who was his last loss uh, against? Holloway in that five-round war. Yeah, see, I I just think you can't have too many wars in your career because I just feel like it compromises your jaw to a certain extent. Like, when, you take that much damage, like, you're just not going to be the same fighter later in your career. Um and, you know, that's not to say he's going to, like, fall off during this Josh Emmett fight. I just think, you know, Josh Emmett has a lot to bring to the table. Yeah, you're is better on stand-up. Stand I do think Josh has an advantage on the ground, though. I don't uh, think it's going to go to the ground. I think, I think this fight goes two ways. I mean, first of all, I don't think cardio is an issue. They both have proved and they can fight five rounds. I mean, they've both done it multiple times. Yeah. They both have knockout power. The kicks of Yair, I don't know if you've seen the videos they, they posted from uh, either yesterday or today of the open workouts. His yeah. kicks are fucking insane. But Josh Emmett might be the hardest, hardest hitting featherweight in the UFC. Yeah. And he throws fucking nukes, dude. And look, just look at him. He's massive. How he weighs in at 145 makes absolutely no fucking idea to me. Makes no sense to me. Yeah. I, either, I think Yair pokes it out in a five round technical fight. Avoids the big bombs, uses the distance, you know, works to the outside. Or I think Josh Emmett puts him in a fucking coffin. That's yeah. all I got to say. I am leaning a little towards Yarier because Yarier doesn't. Josh Emmett's more of a straight up boxer. Yarier's a, a, a martial artist on his feet, and Josh Emmett has a history of bad knees. And I could see Yarier just fucking chopping that shit. Yeah. Um. If I were Josh Emmett, I would. You got to close the gap off rip. Yeah, but here's here's my thing. I don't I don't think it's smart to go all out against Yair right away cuz Yair like you said super technical. He utilizes his uh kicks and punches extremely well. He's going to go after that knee. I feel like best case scenario maybe maybe start off in southpaw just to see how he's going to throw your kicks, see how he sets him up. Once you want to like unload, feel like you can get him Get back in your orthodox stance. Wait to wait. Feel like you got a rhythm of his kicks. Goes to throw it. Fucking launch it. Like just let it go. Because you know if he catches him, he's gonna put him in a coffin. We we both think, know this. So if I'm gonna do, I'm gonna give my my analysis on how I think both guys gonna win. Yari has got to keep it outside distance. If he does eat a punch, nothing can stick. He's got to roll everything. Everything's got to slide, and he cannot eat any any overhands. Any overhands or hooks, he's dead. Okay, yeah. stick to the outside. Utilize your whole arsenal. You have a great clinch work. You have nasty elbows. You have nasty spinning shit. You have great kicks. You're good on the outside dancing. Utilize it all. Establish the distance. Once the fight is at your distance, I think you control the pace and you beat Josh Emmett. If I'm Josh Emmett, I need to overwhelm him with volume. I need to shorten the gap the second the fucking fight starts, even if that means shooting takedowns that don't hit just to shorten the gap, just to get the, the, the reaction of it to get, get closer. You know what I mean? So I think... Josh Emmett needs to get in his face off rip, like literally fucking instantly. And he needs to be ready to start throwing bombs. And I he needs to he needs to hurt him. If it's a stick and poke fight, Emmett's gonna lose. Emmett's a heavy hitter. He's gotta hurt him. I think working the body is something he does beautifully. I think that could also be a caliber to Rodriguez, but the death of Emmett is standing in front of, of Rodriguez and just trying to rush in. 
because his knee is going to get deleted and he's going to get stuck and, and women. He's never going to land anything. Movement is going to be key to both of these fighters, but a different style of movement as Yario is going to be more in and out around and Josh Emmett needs to get more inside without getting hit. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, it's just weird because like in the fights that I've watched and watched with Yair, Yair's like not afraid of anyone regardless of power. Like he just doesn't give a shit. He likes to stand in the pocket and like I just it's hard to visualize him sticking and moving because I just don't feel like that's who he is. But like you said, that's his best way to win. I just don't know if he knows that's his best way to win. You know well, what I mean? He does I, or if he's gonna want to. Yeah, that that's the thing. Like I feel like when I feel like if you're that good, you feel like what's got you there is going to help you. But, like, there's just guys that are just bad matchups for you. Josh Emmett's one of those guys where, like, bro, if you try to, like, match up with him, like, your best versus his best, his power is better than you. You're a better fighter, I think, on your feet, 100%. But his power will get the best of you. I, that's just how I feel. Well, Max so. landed, like, 450 strikes on him. He cannot eat 450 strikes on Josh Emmett. That just won't happen. He didn't even I don't think Josh Emmett's better than Max, but I know if, if – Josh Emmett lands a right hook or a fucking overhand and Max lands it. One of them are killing you and the, that one's not Max Holloway. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Couldn't agree more. I do but, think it's a fucking banger of a fight, though. Great fucking fight. Yeah, I'm not I'm not betting on it. Yeah, I yeah, I'm, you not, that. I'm, not betting on, I'm not betting on either of these fights, but great fucking fight, in my opinion. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, let's just get to the what we're all here for. Yeah, yeah let's get to what we're here, man. He's <laughs> a Hakachev, lightweight world champion. Coming in at a minus four ten favorite, twenty three and one in his record out of Dagestani, Russia. Alexander Volkanovsky training out of New Zealand, but Australia's native, former professional rugby player coming in, twenty five and one. His only loss, both of their losses, I believe, were knockouts. But I don't know if you saw Islam's. He got knocked out by some scrub in the beginning of his UFC career. Volkanovsky jumped up the welterweight and got knocked out before he came to the UFC. Both these men on a tear. I think they're both on like twelve or thirteen fight win streaks. Um, this is Islam's first title defense. Volkanovski proven, in my opinion, he's the best featherweight fighter of all time, beating Max two times out of the three. Um, and wow, it's just the issue with this fight is both of these guys are good everywhere. Yeah, like they're good at boxing. They're good kickboxers. They're good wrestlers. They're good jujitsu. They're good pressure. They're good cardio. They're strong, fast. They they have great movement. They have great reading. Great defense. Like. They're the two best guys in the world. Like they are the peak of the sport. So to say what's going to happen, I, it, it's so hard. It's so fucking hard. Yeah. Size is definitely going to Islam though, hundred percent. Five ten, naturally lightweight, could even fight at welterweight. Cuts a fuck ton. Volkanovski's five six, what featherweight? Not a small lightweight, but he's not big. Size yeah. is going to Islam for sure. Yeah, that's what people need to understand. Like I, I get Volk used to be like a. 200 pound plus rugby player like yeah that was in his rugby days like he's always been undersized in his fighting career he always will be that's just the kind of fighter he is his he has no problem build. with it yeah, yeah he doesn't yeah he doesn't consider it a disadvantage there's no excuse in that regard so it it is what it is i i will say though because of that though i think he's already at a severe disadvantage uh against islam dude the dagestanis just know the key to cutting weight i mean could used to walk around at like 210 it would cut down to 150. So Islam's in kind of the same boat. He cuts a fuck ton of weight. He's just their grip strength is just stronger yeah, than everyone is, in the division. They're gonna weigh in at 155, and then when they get in the cage, Volk's gonna be like 165, 170, and Islam's gonna be like 185. Yeah, yeah, and that's just especially against a grappler of his skill, like a Dagestani wrestler. Like, dude, once they get a hand on you, like it, it's impossible. Like, it, you just you have. There's no way you're gonna like outstrength them to break it like it's just a different breed and you know i'm not saying i don't believe that it's going to be the first takedowns going to dictate the fight i don't believe that i think both putting too work too much work i think he's too good for that case i do think it will be a great fight i mean this is probably the best showcase of a number one versus number two ever so this john jones daniel cormier is pretty good too okay yeah yes Okay, I agree. Pre-fight, looking at it, post-fight, we knew who the number one was fairly. Easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we're pre-fight right now. Yes, which is which is fair enough. Fair enough. But I will say when the, when John Jones and DC were like about to fight, even in my mind, I was like, John Jones, fucking, this is the scariest man alive. Like I like love DC, but I was like, this is this is 
not fun for anyone. Like this is gonna. By the way, my favorite line of shit talking ever said is when John looked DC in the eye and he was like, "I'm gonna make you feel like every second hour day you've put into being a better fighter is gonna. I'm gonna make you feel like you wasted your fucking life." He's like, "I'm like, how do you say that to another man? Like that man it. has how does that man has children, like a wife, and he was, yeah. but he's like." Yeah, I'm high on cocaine. I'm gonna kill you. Like, okay, like that's fun, cool. But yeah, yeah no. Nah. Back to this fight. I think, I think it goes three ways. I think Islam grinds out a UD. Islam submits him, or Volk knocks him out. I don't think Volk can win decision. I also do think, and people are gonna think I'm crazy for this. I think Volk's faster than Islam. I think when I it comes to in and out striking, I think I think Volk's quicker, especially when we saw it with Max. So I've never seen someone be faster than Max, and then Volk was like a whole punch ahead of him. Yeah. Um, I also don't think Islam is going to just take Volk down and 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 kill him at will, like people think. I think eventually he will. I don't think he's going to be able to do it when Volk's fresh. I think I think Volk's wrestling is it needs to be appreciated. By the way, uh. Islam coming out and saying he wants to prove it with his hands. Like he wants to like show the world that like he's a better striker than ever he thinks he is. I'm not like, going to do that. I'm like, I'm like, this is what I tell everyone. I'm like, I'm like, he says he's going to do that. And he's going to think he's going to do that. The first time bulk sticks his ass with a jab, his initial instinct is going to be shoot, take that. Double yeah. Leg. Double leg. Like immediately. Like everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. Like he's going to be like, I'm not, I'm not going to like be losing the fight and be like, no, I got to prove a point. Like I got, I gotta show people I can throw hands. Like fuck that. Like no, he's gonna. He's no, gonna I do be a best. world champion. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, I'm gonna do what I'm fucking best at and just take him down. So it is what it is. That's just kind of how I see it going. I do think the first round is gonna be very, very telling. Like very. I, telling. I think the first round will be very boring. I, I think, think so. they're both gonna be hesitant as fuck, and they're they might barely touch each other in the first round. Yeah. Islam's great, gonna, I think Islam's going to wait a little, shoot a late-round shot. I think it's going to be a really boring first round. I, I'll i quote the great John Anik in reference to both of these fighters. That is not the cloth in which they're cut. These guys are not fucking boring. Like, these guys just don't have – neither of these guys in any fight they've been in have been like, all right, I'm going to really take my time. Like, no, nah, they're like, fuck it. Like, the moment they step in that ring, they're like, I, I'm on a mission to kill. And I think it's just like – it's not only a great style matchup for both these guys, the mental, like the way they approach the sport itself is just like exactly what it needs to be. Like this, the fact that it's, it's the fucking peak of the game. Yeah. Like, like this, textbook. this is combat. This is yeah. combat. Like when you fucking think of like war, like just fucking life on the line, these two guys should be mentioned. Like that's just how it is. Like you, we can't say enough about it. We already know how good these guys are. By the way, We'll end on this little story because I didn't even know about this until I read it not so long ago. And I'm surprised more people didn't bitch about it. The second fight between Volk and Max that everyone thought Max won. Well, I, I thought Max won personally. But I did not know that they woke Max or uh, they woke Volk up at like two or three in the morning for a drug test the night before his fight. And he had taken a melatonin and fuck it fucked up, fucked him up. And he said it was the slowest and worst he's ever felt going into a fight. He said he felt like a whole punch behind Max. He felt like he couldn't fucking keep up with him. He said it was the worst he ever fought. That, to me, sounds like they're trying to set that man up for failure to lose to Max to set up the trilogy. Well, Dana Dana made a huge deal after that, too. And they were like, you know, we're not doing this shit no more. And it happened to another fighter pretty recently. I think it might have been Paulo Costa. But what about 5 a.m.? Yeah, they put them up at like 5 a.m. and the the night of their fight, and they're like, bro, what the fuck? You know, and and I think they ended that and it's not happening anymore. But that is really fucking, that is really stupid, bro. Like, give the man a day, if anything. Like, this is the biggest night of his life. That sleep is so fucking important. Yeah. And what kills me is you you couldn't check any other time when when you needed a drug test this man. Like, you had a whole, what, couple months? What you think? You think just the night before the fight, he's just going to be shooting up steroids? He's like, yeah, oh, like, fuck. Like, never been caught in my couldn't career. couldn't have waited until the morning to text him? Like, Yeah. Oh, but, but you know, you, you're you not going to drug test uh, Conor McGregor or John Jones for their fight. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so dumb. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, if for I had sure. to give, I'm not going to throw any money on these two fights. They're too hard. But if I had to give my prediction, I'm going to go Islam with a four to one rounds, a little fit, a little uh, 48, 40, uh, a little 49, 46 uh, unanimous decision over Volkanovski. Not I, skill, I think size is going to be the dictating factor. I don't think – I think the size is going to overwhelm Volk. 
I I want Volk go... to win though. I'm cheering for Volk. See, um I think I'm gonna go third round submission for Volk. Dude, have you seen his Ortega couldn't submit Volkanovsky though? Okay, but I don't think it's gonna be a okay. I shouldn't have said choke. It's not gonna be a choke. I think he's gonna get him in a Kimura or an Americana and he's just gonna snap his fucking arm off. Cause like Volk's not gonna tap. Let's put it that way. He's not it's not fucking tapping, but he's either gonna A do what Khabib did to Connor. He's gonna get him in a fucking fulcrum choke where it's literally gonna snap his jaw off his body and you just can't break it. Like it just is what it is. Or he's gonna catch Volk or somehow get him to the ground. Volk's gonna accept the fucking full guard position and he's immediately just gonna go to a Kimura, step over his face, and then it's it's just not gonna be a fucking fun way to go out. But like I just think Islam's too technical on the ground. I think the Dagestanis are made in a fucking lab. Like, it's just not fair. Yeah, hey, that's everything UFC 284. Your usual host, myself and Zach Watts. Tune in.